Welcome to STD Church's podcast. You can always join us for our live services Saturday evenings and Sunday mornings out in our West Auditorium. You can also tune into our services live online at seacoastgrace.org or on our YouTube and Facebook pages. Thanks so much for listening. All right, good afternoon. How you doing? You good? Yeah, we always say on there, thank you for your generosity, but uh, uh, we just also need to remind you that's an important thing to do is give back to God. It's important for your spiritual development. It's important for us to continue doing ministry, and so uh, we want to say thank you, those who are generous and continue to give. Those who aren't, we ask you to step up because uh, you need to and we need you to, and it's an important part of your growth, so we just want to encourage you in that, and uh, we're so glad you're here this afternoon, and uh, if you're watching online, hi, how you doing? And I, we still have about twice as many people online as we do in person, I think. Uh, and we just want to encourage you, if you're watching online and you have some health issue that, that uh, you can't come, we understand. If you don't, we don't understand. <laughs> Get over here. Be over here. We're worshiping with us. It's a, a dynamic that's unique to being together, and it's a part of our biblical mandate for, uh, for being a part of the church, the body. So uh, glad you're here. Uh, obviously, you're not sports fans because uh, I think the Dodgers are playing. I think USC is playing. But it doesn't matter because the most important sports event of the weekend, the big news of the weekend has already happened. It's over. I don't know if you know what it is or not. Illinois beat Penn. You're saying you didn't know Illinois had a football team. Well, sort of do. Fighting a line nigh, um, beat the number seven ranked Penn State. Illinois was not ranked. They're just ranked most of the time. But today they beat a ranked team, and there is much celebration in my home state of Illinois. And uh, it's interesting in my house because uh, my wife's from Oklahoma, huge OU fan, and they won as well. Now, uh, it was much more dramatic when Illinois won because they were, they were playing a ranked team, and they won it in the ninth overtime, the most in the history of college football, ninth overtime. And, uh, and it was very exciting. But here's what's interesting. Illinois won, OU won, but the difference was what you expect. You expect OU to win. They've been in the top 10 for year after year after year. They're number three right now. They were expected to win. Frankly, my wife is a little disappointed they didn't win bigger. I was so excited they were even in the game for Illinois. You see, your expectations set you up for something. I heard Tim Keller talking about the passage we were talking about today one time, and he said that you can go to a room, a, a room, and, and they say this is the honeymoon suite, and you go in and you go, oh, this isn't very good. But if they tell you instead of the honeymoon suite, they say this is a jail cell, and you go in and you go, this is pretty nice. <laughs> Same room, right? Wrong expectations would disappoint so many of us, and uh, that's a part of the challenge with our Christian life. Some of us have false expectations, wrong expectations of life. The truth is that life is a battle. Life is a battle. It is a spiritual battle. And when it becomes obvious that it's a spiritual battle, if we didn't expect it, we didn't think it was coming, we're going to be pretty disappointed and wonder where God is. But if we know that life is a spiritual battle and there are those who are out to damage us or hurt us, steal our peace and our joy specifically, if we don't know that, we'll be surprised. If we know that, we'll be prepared. So today I want to share with you how to be prepared in light of that, that eventuality. And so it's found in Philippians 4, um, chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. Very, very familiar passage. I may have spoken on this passage as much as any passage in Scripture except maybe John 3.16. Uh, so 
Rejoice, Lord, always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Be anxious about any, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. I just want to talk about three things. Um, it's so interesting because I have observed uh, many, many families. Uh, couples get married, have children, grow their family. It's always interesting because a lot of times, depending on family of origins, where some people, they just fall into it so naturally. Being a family, raising kids, it's just all so natural. And then others, it's just every step is a new learning process because they maybe didn't have such a great family of origins. They didn't really know how to be or what to do uh, or what to think in a given situation. Um, scripture wants us to know how to be in a world that would be uh, inclined to rob us of our joy and our peace and what to do and what to think. And I kind of want to break this passage down that way. Uh, the first section is the, the what to be. What should we be in a world that is uh, at least uh, not uh, uh, favorable or is antithetical to our, our, our choice of faith? It's the first one that says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. So uh, be joyful. In this world we live in, be joyful. Now, joy is an interesting thing. Joy is, according to one, uh, one author who was kind of trying to boil it down, joy is the spiritual buoyancy. I like that, spiritual buoyancy uh, that comes from rejoicing over the unchanging privileges in God. In other words, as we realize who God is and what he's afforded us, it lifts us. Spiritual buoyancy. I love the idea of joy. The opposite of joy is not sadness because according to Scripture, we can be sad you should be sad if you lose someone you love or, or certain kinds of things, but you can still have joy. They're not antithetical to each other. It's not, it's not sadness that is the opposite. Um, it's hopelessness. You see, joy comes from, at the end of the day, bottom line, in my heart, I know that I'm okay. God will take care of me, even in moments of sadness. I can have joy because God has told me he will take care of me in this life or in heaven uh, to come. So what do we do? What do we do in the, in the midst of things that would rob our joy? Well, first of all, make the choice to rejoice. He says, rejoice, Lord, always. I'll say it again, rejoice. It's not a, it's not a thing about rejoicing or hope you can rejoice or somebody should help you rejoice. It is choose. You, it's a volitional act of your will. Choose. It is a command, not an option. Choose joy. Choose to rejoice. Choosing happiness is not the same thing. Happiness is very much circumstantial. It's about, it's about the comfort of getting what I want. There's nothing wrong with being happy, by the way. The pursuit of happiness is fine. It's just not the ultimate pursuit. It is not the thing you want to pursue most. Because it's the comfort of getting what I want. Well, you can't always get what you want. And frankly, sometimes what you want is not good for you. Right? Uh, but joy is, is something much deeper. It's the confidence in knowing you have the only thing that really matters. Because a relationship with God through Jesus Christ matters for eternity. That car you wanted so bad, it's going to get rusty someday. The battery's going to fail. The bearing's going to wear out. Whatever it is you want that brings you happiness is short-lived. But joy is for eternity. Um, and, and make a choice to rejoice. The, the other thing is that, is that you'll notice he says it twice. And I wrote a little note because the world's not nice. 
<laughs> he said it twice because sometimes the world's not nice. And it's true. The world won't often give you reason for joy. Occasionally you may get some happiness, but joy. But here's an interesting thing. Um, even in those moments, so I don't want to come off as antithetical to pleasure or that kind of happiness, that kind of thing, because even in those moments, as Christians, we should experience pleasure, more pleasure. We should be experts at experiencing pleasure. So let's say you go out for a fine meal, all right? You save your money, you can afford it, you go out for this fine meal, or better yet, somebody gives you a gift certificate. Anyway, so you go for this fine meal. Now, here is what is interesting. As a Christian, I do not look for that meal to do more than it could do. What that meal could do is feed me. It could give me a few moments of pleasure until I overeat, which is another issue we got to talk about. But, it, but I don't expect more from the meal than it's supposed to give me. But here is what C.S. Lewis talked about this. He said, let the sunbeam, so you ever been in a, a, a window where the sun is coming through and you kind of see the beam there? He says, don't just stand and admire the beam. The beam is meant to help you see that the sun is out right? You don't just stand and admire the beam. You look and you see the source of the beam. You don't just enjoy the meal. You look to the source of the meal. It's not what is given. It's the giver. So as Christians, we look beyond the happiness to look at it as a glimpse of what God wants to give us in, in, in measure that we can't understand for eternity, okay? So we should enjoy the pleasures uh, within bounds and, and appropriately and understand that we are seeking not them and expecting them to make everything better, to realize that they are gifts, glimpses of the giver, the blesser, not just the blessing. And so um, we have to look beyond just what is in front of us. Uh, now, the third thing I'm going to say about this joyful is that one of the greatest ways to have a joyful life is to know, is to know God, is to be informed about who God is and his intention for you. Because as, and I'll talk about him in a moment, um, as those thieves, those joy stealers in life come and, and intrude, if you know the character of God, you know how to defeat them. If you know God's word, you know how to defeat them. If you are used to spending time with God and his word, you know where to go when it's hacked, when the joy stealers come. So the first thing is we're to be is to be joyful. Um, the second thing we're to be is gentle, is gentle. Now he says in verse 5, let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Now gentleness is not about weakness. It's not about frailty. It is about, actually it's about strength. It's about being strong enough to stand tall and absorb what might come your way without having to be reactionary or, or crazy or insecure, whatever it was. It's actually about being confident and strong. It's actually the opposite of insecurity and being reactionary and even self-rejecting. So recently, uh, uh, I was, my confidence was tested. And I'm going to show you this video, not because I want to, but because I want to beat Cody to the punch. <laughs> he will make it much worse than I will, I hope. So a couple of weeks ago, I was invited. Amy, the singer standing right here, is my daughter-in-law. And her dad is also a pastor uh, up in the South Bay. And um, I was invited to speak at the church. Her parents were going to be gone, and so they invited me to come up and speak. Happy to do it. And, uh, and so the woman who was going to introduce me um, said hi and, and, uh, and said, I'm going to be doing an introduction, and we'll have fun, and I'm okay. And I expect, I never I really attended that church, I expect to be a little more reserved and, and quiet and so on. And, um, well, I don't even know how to explain this other than to let you watch what happened next. So check it out. 
So if you are with us for the first time and you have, you, you came to hear Jim, come back next week. Jim will be here. But we have someone very, very special. It's almost family, and it is family. It is Pastor Doyle and from Seacoast Grace Church. So I'm so excited about what you're going to share, but I will tell you, this is going to mess us up a little bit, um, Pastor Doyle, because what happens here, um, and we don't want to make anybody feel uncomfortable, Jim normally has a walk-up song. So you can't just get up and come up and start talking. That just is not going to work here. So Jim came up with a great walk-up song. So if you don't mind, I'm going to need you to give me your Bible. Is this your, your notes are here? Okay, and I'm going to need you to go to the back of the room. Okay. The back of the room. All right. And I got to show you how Jim does it. Because if you're going to come in here and represent his house, you're going to have to do it the way we do it. Okay. You ready? Right, 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 right. Oh, oh God, I'm Richard. I got it right here. Okay, so here's what you're going to do. Can I call you PD? PD. Okay, Pastor Doyle, that's PD for short. All right, so what you're going to do is... We're gonna play this, we're gonna play a video. You gotta let the video sit for a little bit. You gotta marinate the crowd because they get into the music, right? And then what you do is you walk down and you walk down and then you greet people. Okay, no fast walking. It's Jim does a slow walk. He marinates the crowd and he goes, he looks over and wait in the back row, maybe about two rows in. You look and you say, hey, how you doing? How you doing? How you doing? And then you come up to, and then about, maybe about the, PD, are you listening? Are you listening? You're not paying attention, because you're going to do this wrong. And I'm going to have you go back to, and start again. Are you listening to me? Okay, I'm in, whoever's talking to him, he needs, okay? Jim has ADD too, so I'm going to need you to stay focused, okay? All right. Then, when you come up to the stage, now Jim, he comes up and he tries to give us a little move. Yeah. So, I usually cringe when I'm sitting there, like, oh, God. God, I, what is he about to try and do? But, um, so you're going to come up, and then you got to give us a little move. Okay, so get it together. You got it? You got what you're going to do? All right, so we're going to show the video. Let it marinate the crowd for a little bit, okay? Then you start the progression coming in, okay? All right, now, if you don't do it right, I'm going to start. We're going to start all over. All right, so let's dim the lights. Dim the lights. Lights down. All the lights down. Can we kill this one or no? If we could, okay. Now, video. Can you turn it up so we can feel the music? All right, everybody, let's get your hand claps in there. Volume. Okay, PD, this is about when you start up, uh, not slow, slow. Come on in. Slow, there you go. All right. There you go. All right, yep. How are the kids? How are the kids? How are the kids? Kids doing good? All right. Okay, it's good. Okay. Okay, now slow. Then you come up to the stage. Now bust the move. Get the move together. Get the move. Uh 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 uh. Oh, no. Yeah. All right. 
welcome Pastor Doyle from Seacoast Grace Church. Yep, I haven't been that embarrassed in a very long time. That lady's name is Carla. She runs CR there, and revenge will be mine eventually. Here's, I'm, no, there's just so many things wrong with that. But here's what I realized is that when she made me do that, it was embarrassing. I was like, what are you doing? I grew up in a church where you weren't allowed to dance. You'd go to hell if you danced. Now my salvation's in danger because of Carla. But here's what I realized about that is that because I did that silly little thing and went along with it, those people were my friends. I could say anything I needed to say to them in my sermon because I just kind of absorbed the embarrassment and, and did it. Not that I had a choice. Carla was going to make me do it anyway. The reality is, is that sometimes we react, and my pride certainly didn't want to do that, uh, and, uh, but sometimes we want to react to a world that is uncomfortable at the very least, is oppositional, adversarial uh, at the most, and we want to react, and yet as a Christian, to be gentle is to just be strong enough to stand and go, I'm not going to be reactionary. This isn't about who I am. I know who I am. I'm a child of God. And if, if this is somehow addressing who I am or my ego, I, I don't need to deal with it. And so it says uh, gentleness. is about being confident in who God is and what he's done for you. It is linked very much to graciousness. Gentleness is, is, is kind of linked to graciousness. I heard someone describe it as a sweet reasonableness or gracious humility or an absence of entitlement. You ever been on someone who you're just kind of walking on eggshells, you're kind of afraid of what you say because they might, you know, just get offended or hurt or upset or something? Some of the most mature Christians I've been around, I was never afraid what I was going to say. I mean, I wasn't trying to be rude in any way, but you could just tell. They were, their feelings weren't out on their sleeve. They weren't out looking to get offended. They, were, they just really wanted to have a conversation with you. It's interesting. I believe we live in a world that has a complete lack of grace, especially for those we disagree with these days. I believe there's no grace given at all. Somebody says something dumb, we don't try to ask why they said it or what they meant. We just jump on it. We have no grace for those we disagree with, and we live pretty much in a graceless society. By the way, conversely, we have a lack of accountability for those we agree with. The truth is that gentleness can do both. It can give you grace when you've messed up or put your foot in your mouth or whatever it might be. And it can give you accountability when you need to be directed. And it does both in love, out of a strong confidence in who we are in Christ. And so he says, be joyful and be gentle. And here's what it says. There's an interesting phrase that I want to pass by. He says, uh, let your grace be evident to all, and, because the Lord is near. The Lord is near. Now, what does that mean? It means a couple of things. One, you don't have to fix everything. Anybody says something dumb or offensive, you don't have to fix all that. God holds the ultimate scales of justice, okay? You don't need to do that. God will take care of that. And if you need him, he is available even in that moment when you're trying to be gentle and you're tempted to not be. Now, sometimes I, and I know none of you do with this, but sometimes it shows itself in a little different way in my, in my um, life. I don't want to um, just kind of uh, be offended or hurt or something like that. Sometimes I just want to let people know who I work for. Not Connie, God. I'm talking about God. <laughs> and I just want to say, you're messing with me right now, but you don't know who my partner is. 
And I just kind of want to rise up like a prophet of old and point a bony little finger and just call lightning down from heaven. Something simple like that. You know what I'm saying? I just, do you know who you're... Now, it doesn't happen when they offend me personally or my family. It's usually about the church. If it's something that I perceive might hurt the church, so I just... And then I remember this word, gentleness. Yes, God and I are into this together with you, and we're strong enough with God's help to keep walking, keep moving, keep going, not get reactionary, because we're not that insecure, are we? So let your gentleness be evident, because the Lord is near. And then it says, do not be anxious about anything. You don't need to worry about anything. Worry is the opposite of faith. Anxiety is the opposite. So the two words worry, anxious in the original language, your anxious is to fragment, is to, to break apart. Our word that we often use is worry, which in the old English means to choke. Either way, it's not good. It's not a good outcome. You remember the story where Martha and Mary, and, and Martha's preparing dinner, and Mary's sitting there listening to Jesus teach it, and Martha gets a little, you know, sibling thing going on, and, and says, Jesus, tell her to, and he says to Martha, Martha, you are fragmented. Your mind is too many places doing too many things at once. You need to know what is the most important thing. Mary has figured out dinner could come. Then we don't know what they had for dinner. It may have been a great dinner. It may have been lots. We don't even know. It's never recorded because it's unimportant. Mary was focusing on things that were, not, were, were important. Martha on things that were unimportant. She had too, what he's literally saying, she got too many things going on in there. Stop. Figure out what the most important is. And in this moment, it's listening to Jesus. So one of the things that, that we realize is that the voices, all the voices that we're hearing up there that bring us fear and anxiety and worry, just too many things, just, just kind of empty out a few, just, you know, knock a few out and focus on the one that matters. And it's the voice of God, what he's teaching us about himself, what he's trying to grow in us, what he's trying to make happen. I read recently that about 8% of what we worry about um, are legitimate, about 8%. The other, the other uh, part of it um, are uh, just either things we can't control or will never happen. We're worrying about things that aren't going to happen. We live in a world that teaches us to worry. We live in a world that, that every day, whether you listen to the news or you listen to talk shows or you read the whatever it is, every day they're giving you things to worry about. The truth is almost none of them can you impact. Almost none of them can you fix. And most of them won't even come true anyway. So he says do not be anxious about anything. Be non-anxious. I'm going to say this, and I hope you hear it as one who ne is needing to and trying to learn this along with you. We need the people, we need as Christians, we need to be the people who are not running around yelling, the sky is falling, what are we to do? Being the crazy person, person hopelessly spouting nonsense. We need to be the people who know where truth is and where love, acceptance, and forgiveness can be found. We need to be the non-anxious presence. We need to be the people who know what we're about and know who we know and know that that makes all the difference in the world. We shouldn't be fomenting things. We shouldn't be adding to them. Yes, if there are things we need to do to take some action, to preserve something, take the action. But let's not make it worse than it is. Let's bring a non-anxious present. If you find yourself succumbing to worry and anxiety a lot, I would suggest you do a couple things. One, worry won't leave on its own. You've got to evict it. You've got to put its bags on the curb. And so worrying is a choice, and it is in opposition. Worry and faith can't live in the same environment. So you must choose worry, just like a little kid standing on the side of a pool. 
They're either going to jump in or they're not going to jump in. They're going to choose. No matter how much daddy talks, they're, they're going to make the choice. You can choose to live in worry. You can choose to live in faith. I think we need to choose to live in faith. And he tells us what to do in order to do that. And we'll get to that next. But do not worry. Do not choose worry. Uh, so choose faith. And in choosing faith, get a higher view of God. Worrying is thinking that you've got to be in control of everything. Faith is about knowing that God is in control of everything. And so if you're worrying a lot, you don't understand God very well. Or at least you've forgotten. And so stop and remember who God is. Remember what he taught us about himself and what his intention toward us. Uh, his great power and, and, and his gifts to us. And reassess in light of that. So the first one is how to be. Second one is what do you do? What do you do to be like this? And it, it says there... It, so instead of worrying, uh, having uh, anxiety, it says this. In every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. First of all, pray. The, pray word, the word there, pray, has to, do with, has to do with worship. Talking to God in attitude of worship. This is the, that what I was just saying about remember who God is. Part of the way we do that, we talked about it last week, is, is adoring God's beauty, telling God who he is, and reminding ourselves of who God is. And so it's being worshipful. Our Father our Father, who art in heaven, is well above us, right? <clears throat> Hallowed be thy name. In other words, we remind ourselves. That's why the prayer begins that way. We remind ourselves who God is. So we begin prayer with, uh, A.W. Tozer once said this, Tozer once said this, the most important thing about us is what comes to mind when we think about God. What comes to mind. And so if what comes to mind is the one who's always trying to catch you doing something wrong and slap you down, you have a wrong understanding of God. If what comes to mind when you think about God is, is, is someone who's disappointed in you, or if it's not God's grandeur and God's goodness, first and foremost, then, then living without worry and without anxiety is going to be near impossible. You first got to understand how incredible God is, how wonderful God is, how loving God is. That's where it begins. We do that in worshipful prayer. And then we acknowledge our needs. It says prayer and, and petition, which is just acknowledge not only that I have issues, but God, I'm coming to you because you are ultimately my source, not my bank account, not my career, not uh, my investments. Ultimately, God, you are my source. You are the one who can solve the challenges that I'm dealing with. And then it's ask for help, present requests to God. God, I, I need this. Now, one of, the, one of the things that we need to do in that is we need to not only tell God what we need in specifics, God, I think this is what needs to happen, but we also need to thank him with thanksgiving. Because I need to say to God, God, this is what I think I need, but I'm going to thank you in advance for giving me what I really need. Even if it's not what I think I need, I'm going to thank you in advance for giving me what I need or not giving me what I don't need. I'm going to thank you in advance, even if I'm disappointed in the outcome. I am going to, I'm going to do that. So in every situation, with prayer, petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now, uh, you're saying, okay, what is it? So we, we've chosen joy, we've chosen gentleness, we've chosen to be worry-free. We've now, uh, as Carla would say, marinated that in prayer. <laughs> we've marinated in prayer, right? Because that, that's where it happens. That's where this actually happens is in prayer. That's where the heart change comes. And then to support that, it's a decision. It's uh, going to God for help. And then to support that, we need to think differently. He says this, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is, is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Um, I said this once before, but I've, I've become more aware of it. I've done some more reading on it. I, 
I'm starting to wonder if our thoughts are more directed by and generated by algorithms on social media and advertisement than they are our intentional choice. So one of the things sociologists are beginning to talk about is that maybe our nation is changing and not in a good way and not even being generated by humans. It is algorithms that are deciding what you see and what you don't see. And thereby what you think about and what you don't think about. It is a scary thing to think that artificial intelligence may be directing the future of our nation. However, inadvertently they were set up or intentionally, I don't know. I'm not like that kind of far down the rabbit hole. But I do think that what we're thinking about is rarely intentional. And a part of what we're being taught here is to be intentional about what you think about. Be intentional about your thoughts. Have you ever looked at your screen time at the end of the week? Do you ever look at that? Like if you're, if you're on an iPad or whatever you might have. Yeah, I, I don't either. And now, different than you, my, my viewing is all about woodworking and acquiring skills. Yours is a waste of time. The reality is, why, do we, why are we surprised when we struggle when so much of the data that's getting in isn't by choice, or not conscious choice anyway? You see, your mind is going to fill up with something. You've got to be pretty careful about what it gets filled up with. And if I want to live a life of joy and peace, I need to put the right stuff in there. And most of what's being produced doesn't give me joy and peace. Let me give you seven bad ideas um, that need to be replaced in your thinking. And it goes along with this list here. The first one is untrue thoughts, untrue thoughts, thoughts like they're just lies, like power, pleasure, prestige will make me happy. Those are not the points of life. How about less than thinking, less than thinking, things that diminish, I can't, I never will, I I can't. That's not what God says about you. God says with him all things are possible. So that's not good thinking either. How about uh, just wrong thoughts, unfounded perceptions about people and their motives that that you're just projecting? What what about those kinds of things? Or even onto God, because you didn't get one of those requests you wanted, and therefore God must be unjust or absent or whatever it is. got to quit having wrong thoughts and impure thoughts, which is perversity and self-destructive things that are easily triggered by so much of what is in our media these days. Rebellious thoughts. Like when you get that little twinge of conscience and you say, I'm going to do it anyway. Or I know better. It always gets us in trouble. Or thoughts that are obsessive thoughts. Uh, I, I need to be in charge. I need to be in control. I need, I, these things do not work. And even mediocre and mundane thoughts. He says, whatever is excellent or praiseworthy. Settling instead of, instead of soaring and growing and learning I think we have settled, and I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, I think as a, as a nation we've settled into about a C-minus existence. I really do. vast majority of us. And yet, that's not what God created us for. He didn't, he didn't want you to be a C-minus. He created you to make an impact in your world. So, uh, who were to be, uh, what were to do, how were to think, and then what were to have. And here in verses 7 and 9, he says, here's the outcome. The outcome is the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then he says, and the God of peace will be with you. Now, peace is a confidence and a trust in God's wise control of my life. Imagine raising your children in a home full of peace and joy as opposed to whatever the other options are. If God's really in control of my life, if my salvation is not only dependent upon the cross, but my life itself is dependent on the guidance of the Holy Spirit, I can live with peace 
and with joy. And it will change the way I interact and the way my life turns out. The opposite of peace is, uh, the, the opposite of peace is, is uh, anxiety or worry. And there is a thing called uh, false peace called cynicism. It's where I don't care anymore. You can't affect me. But I also don't love. I'm not kind. I'm not any of the fruit of the Spirit. That's not peace. That's giving up. Peace is when I know God's in control and I still care and I still love and I still extend myself on behalf of others. So let me give you three things, the thieves of joy and peace. Number one is the world. This is according to scripture, there are three thieves, three things that steal our peace. It's the world. The mindset of the world we live in, the here, the now, the concrete is all that matters um, and that's all there is. Anything I can see and feel and touch is all there is. Uh, it discounts um, the metaphysical, the spiritual. Um, it and it often leads us to the if-onlys. If only I could be richer. If only I could be uh, taller. If only I could be whatever. The if-onlys. Thinking that if I could just impress people in this world that I can find what I'm looking for. It doesn't lead to joy and it doesn't lead to peace. The second thing that robs us is the flesh. It's the selfish parts of each of us that want to be in charge. We want to be God. It's what got Adam and Eve in trouble. It's what gets every one of us. I know better. I want to be God. I want to be in charge. Uh, I, need to, I, I need to conquer. I need to get ahead. I need to look better. It's a power game. Um, that's not going to bring you peace and joy either. And then Satan himself, the evil one, a supernatural, intelligent being with a whole bunch of others working for him that want to destroy your peace and joy. And one of the ways he does is he plays mind games with you. He wants to attack your conscience and make it overreactive and reowning things that God already forgave or underactive and just thinking you can do whatever you want and, and it won't bring damage to your life. He plays games with us. He, he lies to us. The scripture says he's a liar. He, and he, he says things to us. The thought comes to us. Oh, you call yourself a Christian? You still do that? Or how long have you been a Christian? You're still struggling with that? Why haven't you moved beyond that yet? He's the accuser. As a matter of fact, one of the words, one of the uh, definitions of the word Satan is the prosecutor. He accuses of things that God has already forgiven us and he's already moving us past those things. We don't need to go back and own them. Thoughts like, if faith is real, why do I struggle with feeling depressed? Or why um, I remember what I did and I still feel bad about it. Those are all thoughts that aren't from God. Your feelings, even your feelings, are something God can fix. You didn't, get, you didn't save yourself. You can't fix yourself. That's why the prayer part is so important. God, here's what's going on. I'm feeling this way. I'm having these thoughts. They're intruding in my mind. Lord, I, I need you to replace them with your thoughts, with your scripture. And, uh, and then finally, this. If you know going in that life is a battle and there are going to be those that would steal your joy and your peace, uh, you need to learn some things. You need to learn to talk to yourself as well as God. Listen to this in Psalm 42.5. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? This is David talking to himself. And he says, put your hope, he's telling himself, put your, his heart, tell him, Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. You can either listen to your heart, which is what the world says you should do, or you can talk to your heart. The Bible says talk to your heart and tell it to remember God. Tell your feelings, your emotions, your attitude to remember God and to turn to God. What you need is a Savior. You need to focus on your Savior, not, not your situation. It's not the situation isn't real. It's that there are no solutions to be found there. The solution isn't him. And so today, I, I just wanted to encourage everyone to just pause for a moment and, and think about what you think about and why you think about it and what the results are. 
if you, like me, over the, I've done over the last week, you begin to find yourself allowing your mind to wonder, and then you catch yourself, and wait a minute, this isn't leading to joy and peace. This is robbing my joy and my peace. This is robbing uh, my coming, coming closer to God. This is robbing the opportunity I have to enjoy everything that God has given me and focus on the negative, those few fears that may not even be real, and yet we're so good at it. So today I want to challenge you to think about what you think about, to talk to yourself, to remind yourself what you need to be thinking about. It's not about denial. It's not about not, not knowing what's going on in the world, but checking your news source again after you just checked it 10 minutes ago and 10 minutes before that isn't leading you to peace and joy. You're not in control of that stuff anyway. All it is is a distraction. Why don't you check your godly source and see if God might have something new to say to you that he didn't say this morning, earlier today, last night, because he just might. And if we do that, we can stand tall. So I was trying to think, what's the imagery here? What is the image? And uh, I, have, I have a friend, they're here, uh, they're here today, and they have a place up north, and they have oak trees. And um, the imagery here is an oak tree, a strong, solid, tall oak tree that is not moved by every whim of fashion or trend that blows by or every circumstance that doesn't go perfectly, it stands tall and it stands tall for a really long time. That's the kind of Christian I want to be. If you're a young family, young, a parent of young children, they need you to be a tall oak tree. There'll be a day when you're old and you're bent over and you may collapse eventually. But uh, hopefully they'll be there to pick you up. But right now they need you to be strong, to be stalwart in your faith, to bring them up in a house filled with joy and with peace based on God's word, not based on hope for kind of things, based on reality of what God does for us. I think as our nation, we need a whole lot of oak trees. In our communities, we need oak trees. Everybody's flitting around, reacting, calling names, playing gotcha with everybody. We need to stand tall and say, no, there's a real peace. It's not pretend. There's a real peace. There's a real joy. I'm standing in the faith. I am going to be that person. And if we can do that, we will impact not only our children, our families, our communities, eventually our world. And that's the kind of people we need to do. And so let's commit ourselves to being people of joy and peace through knowing, understanding, and appreciating the privilege of having a relationship with God and all that he gives to us. Let's pray. Lord God, today I'm so thankful that I don't need to be blown back and forth by a, like a sapling in the wind, but I am a person who you have saved, you have called. Lord God, you have worked in my life and my character and in my faith, and I have the opportunity to choose to stand tall. As the wind blows and the storms come, Lord God, I can stand tall, not in my own strength, not in my own ability, but because of you, because you say that you will take care of me. You have the outcomes in mind already. You have not abandoned me, but you are with me every single day. And so whether it's the storms of doubt or difficult circumstances or relational pain, Lord God, or just living in a world that is in opposition to just about everything you teach us, Lord, we can stand tall. We can be gentle but strong. We can be joyful, Lord God, and even sad sometimes and still joyful. Lord, we can be who you called us to be. Now help us to commit to that and help us to ask you for help every day. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you guys for being here. Let's stand together. Don't forget, next week after this service, we have Trunk or Treat. If you haven't signed up to do a trunk or something, sign up. It's going to be a lot of fun. Cute little kids running around. And uh, if you need prayer, there'll be folks down front. God bless you guys. Have a great week. We hope you enjoyed this message. And remember, we also have live services out in our West Auditorium on Saturday evenings and Sunday mornings. Or you can always join us live at seacoastgrace.org or on our YouTube and Facebook pages to hear these messages in real time. 